We've been in one kind of prison or other, haven't we? Hallelujah, Jesus. Well, God is holy. God is totally other. We fall short. I just want to, I want to, I just want to go over a few scriptures just to kind of give us a taste of our predicament without Christ. And for those of us that have given our life to Christ, our predicament without relying on him. And there's just a lot of, just a lot of stuff that just says that we fall short, so, but hang in there, it gets better. But um, in Romans 3.21 all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We fall short of being able to fellowship with God. We fall short of actually even begin, being able to really communicate with God. And In Romans 3.23, it says the wages of sin is death. And the Bible says that, that death, literally spiritual death, is a place called hell, a place called eternal fire. And we've we're all if without Jesus we're all in that predicament we get we do not get we are just there's just absolutely no answer the church i went to before before i gave my life to Jesus taught me that i would either have to pay for millions of years for my sins in a waiting place or i would have to go to hell for eternity and I thank God for that church. I don't speak against it at all. I thank, with all my heart, I thank God for that church. I think it did a better job than most evangelical churches these days of helping me understand my predicament. My t- predicament was dire, and they told me it was dire. And they told me there's a lot you'd have to do to get to the point of getting to heaven. I'd have to say... If I said hundreds and hundreds, literally hundreds and hundreds of prayers, that would help me some. Probably shave off a few hundred years, but nothing compared to the millions that I would need in order to pay for, for going to get to heaven. So I was in a pretty bad predicament. They told me the truth. The part where it wasn't quite right is they made me think that maybe, just maybe, I could pay it off. Maybe somehow I could... I found out why I waste my energy as I was 20 years old and for about four years I've been trying to pay the price. I've been trying to say enough prayers. I've been trying to repeat enough things that they said to repeat. And, and I just, uh, different ways of, and means of supposedly getting grace, I tried everything. And it just wasn't satisfying. It just, I just couldn't find any peace. I couldn't find any hope. I still felt devastated. I still felt, felt lost. I just felt like there... There was just an inner knowledge. I'm never going to be good enough to get to heaven. I'm never going to be good enough to get anywhere near God. Romans 5.19 says, Because one person, because Adam disobeyed God, everybody became a sinner. We have his spiritual genes, whether we like it or not. Romans 5.20 says, God's law was given so people could see how sinful that we really are. So we got a law, you know, there's hundreds of laws, but we got the Ten Commandments, and right there, you'll find a few that you didn't obey, and it says if you've broken one, you've just as well broken them all because you disqualified for heaven. Honor your father and mother. We've all broke that one. Keep holy the Sabbath. Thou shalt not steal. We've all stolen. Sometimes we've stolen some attention, or we've stolen somebody else's credit or we've you know they were supposed to get the credit but we took the credit we've all stolen one way or another we've all fallen short we're all in this devastating situation is and, and it's going to take more than hundreds of prayers and hundreds of uh penance different things in penance to get us to get to heaven it's going to take more than we could ever pay we're in a we're in a predicament without christ it says in uh Romans 4.15, the law always brings punishment on those who are trying to obey it because we really can't. The only way to avoid breaking a law is to not have a law at all. Romans 3.19 says the law's purpose is to keep people from having an excuse. So we look into the law and we think, yeah, I see those commandments. I don't have an excuse. I, I, I have that blueprint. I have not kept that blueprint. I don't have any excuse. I haven't kept that blueprint. I'm guilty before God, it says in Romans, 
It says to show us that, we are, that the entire world, that every one of us is guilty before God, Romans 3.19. I wish I could do as good a job as the church I attended for my first 20 years of life did at helping you understand it's hopeless. It is so very hopeless, and it's biblical. I just backed it up with quite a few verses in the Bible. It's biblical that we're hopeless. There were, you know, we were originally made in order to have fellowship with Christ, but we offended, we hurt his heart. How many has been hurt by a spouse? Don't raise your hand. All right. How many has been hurt by a church member? <laughs> you can all raise your hands. <laughs> and you can for the first one, too. By a friend. We can get pretty hurt and pretty offended. Well, we hurt God's heart so bad that he couldn't have anything to do with us anymore. But he wanted to, really, really, really strongly wanted to have fellowship with us. But the sins and the pain we caused in his heart, says in Genesis 6, that his heart is grieved and filled with pain because of our sin. So the law, it says, could tell us where we need to be, and it can tell us where we're at. We, we, we want to be and we need to be in his presence. But we're over here in this predicament. And because he's a God of justice, it wouldn't be right for him to let us back in right standing without us paying the price. And yet everybody, you know, I read a book in college. And uh, Richardson, I believe, was his last name. But they studied all the different tribes around the world. And there wasn't any tribe that didn't have a one supreme creator God. They, some of them had lots of gods, but they always had one supreme God that they felt they couldn't get close to. The human heart and, the, and, the, and God's message has gone out somehow throughout the earth, and we all know we've broken fellowship with God. We've all offended him. And, they didn't, and those tribes, they don't know how to get right with God, and that's why we go out and speak to them. The only places, I think, that aren't like that is where a lot of places in Europe where and a lot of places in the United States where, and even in South, in South America, where they've heard the gospel a long time ago. And they've received the truth and some got just totally on fire for God and the message has gone out and then it was rejected. And then you start getting things, something called atheism. And they begin to say, no, I don't want that. I, they decided that, that to, to look away from God. They decided they don't want to, to live by his standards. And, and so they, they backed off. But anybody who hasn't had the gospel preached to them yet, they're being honest with themselves yet, and they, they just know that there's a God and that, they've been, that, they've, that there's been a breach. The law tells us where we're at and where we'd like to be. The Bible says in Galatians 3.27, the law was given as a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. So we're looking everywhere. All these tribes and all these different segments and cultures of people are looking everywhere for an answer. And this says if you can just see the law, it's a schoolmaster will bring you to Christ. And we're in that predicament and everywhere we look, it's just a, it's a, just a brick wall. It's, I can't, I, there's no way out of this. But then God sends down his gospel of light into that cell, that prison cell that we're in. And he says there's one way out and his name is Jesus. Let me tell you how you can get a hold of Jesus. Let me tell you how this God-man can take you out of your predicament. John 1.16 says, All of his fullness we've received, and grace upon grace, that's, that's once we've given our life to the Lord. Because the law was given by Moses, so we see what we need, but grace and truth came by Jesus. Two things that happen when we meet up with the law, and I'm just going to take it for granted. You're going to study the scriptures because we don't really have time to, to read them all. But in Romans 7, it says, I keep doing what I don't want to do. And what I want to do, I can't do. And that's a sad thing that that happens not just to a person that's not saved. That's an obvious one. But it happens to too many of us in this church. 
in the body of Christ. I keep doing what I don't want to do. I keep getting angry. I keep having resentment. I keep stealing some credit, or I keep stealing some money, or I keep promoting myself. Why did I do that again? I keep doing what I don't want to do. I can't seem to do what I want to do. I can't, I can't be the kind of blessing, and I can't love the way I know. When I'm in your presence, oh, it's so easy to know what to do, and then I get out in real life and in not real life, because he's more real than what we see here, the Bible says. And all of a sudden, I can't um, be the very thing that I sensed I could be in his presence. So we come up against the law, and what happens when we come up against the law, and that's where I was before I was saved, we come up against the law, and it's just a brick wall, and it's like there's two things that happen. Number one, first thing that happened to me was I can do this. And so I start praying all the prayers that were subscribed. I start going to the church every Sunday. I repent on a regular basis. I don't go do the things everybody else is doing. And I have no peace. You would think I'd have peace. You'd think I would have something. I got my prayer beads hanging on the bed. There should be some peace. There's no peace. I tried for, I don't know how long I started trying, but I would say I tried for at least eight years before I was saved. I tried and I tried and I tried and I tried. I went up and down the field for 10 hours a day just praying the prayers that were prescribed so I could get some peace. And they didn't work. I always had a sense his mom left the gospel. He used to have gospel TV on Sundays, and she'd leave that thing running all the time trying to get a hold of our hearts, I think, and I'm, I'm for sure. And I never, she didn't know I was listening, but I'd be listening. And I think that's why I just knew in my heart I need to give my life to him. But something that I didn't understand is I thought, which is a good thing because it made me count the cost. It'll cost you everything. It'll cost you everything if you want to give your life to God, and it'll cost you everything for the rest of your life to take up your cross daily and follow him, like that first song we sang. I thought, in my mind, if I gave up everything, I would have to be a priest, which I thought, in my mind, meant I couldn't get married, which in that church you couldn't. Secondly, I thought it would mean there's probably not any hunting or fishing or trapping, anything that I really kind of like doing. And so... For the years of pain I was going through, I didn't give myself 100% to God. I was just 99.9. And I just want to encourage anybody here that hasn't given their life 100% to God to understand that you're probably still totally under the law and you're probably still totally lost. If my children are disobeying and disrespecting and running out and doing the wrong thing, when they come home, guess what I do? I hug them. I love them, I would be respectful to them, I'm kind to them, I bless them. And just because you're getting blessed, and just because God's loving on you when you come to church, that does not mean that you're not going to disrupt his household. It doesn't mean that you fit. I was not saved because I did 99% right I wasn't getting drunk like the rest of the guys. I wasn't doing the other stuff the other guys were doing. I wasn't laughing at dirty jokes, the stuff that, you know, that I kind of had a list in my head of what was right and what was wrong. I was praying like none of the other guys was praying, and I was going to hell just like everybody else was going to hell. I know I was. I hardly ever, ever, ever drank, but one time I went to a party when I was a sophomore, and being tough guy that I am and was, see, I still got pride because I'm tough, but um, the tough guy that I was... I thought, I'm going to drink more than everybody else. So I drank more than everybody else, I think. I don't know. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, the next middle of the night, when I come out in the hallway and couldn't, there was just a total awareness that I might die that very moment. 
There was a total awareness that I would not go to heaven that very moment, even with all the good stuff I'd been doing and all this trying that I've tried. good guy wouldn't have got me to heaven. But four years after that, I was just graduated from two years of Vostech school. Four years after that, I knelt down by my bed and I said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. I finally said, you want me to be a priest? I'll be a priest. I I can't take this pain anymore. And in one moment's time, I got back up on the bed. I was kneeling there. And I said, why did I do that? Now I'm going to have to be a priest. I was 99% sure I'd have to be a priest. And it's true, I'm a priest. I get to get married even. Got to go hunting, fishing, and trapping. It's a really good deal to get right with God. Two things happened. One was, I knew he had me. And the other thing was, I had sought for all these years I don't know what you call it other than peace to have peace to be content to have the answer to be loved for all these years trying to pay my way up through that and in one moment I was a priest and in one moment I was loved and held in one moment I didn't even hardly know the gospel I heard some on TV like I said but I didn't know I got saved that day I just look back and I know he had me that moment. I still do. I don't know the date. It was 1981. But I can see the moment. And it was 100%. Because 99 did nothing. I think it's on God's heart to help people understand today that that we fall short. And that he's the only way. And we can sing these beautiful songs about how he loves us and all his mercy and all his grace. But none of that stuff can take effect unless every moment of every day you're saying, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Either he's the boss or you're the boss. We made a, we made a covenant with him. We said, Lord, we'll take up our cross daily and follow you. I think most of us think subconsciously that that cross is kind of a fun cross, kind of like them silver ones and gold ones we hang around our neck. And I know there can be a lot of joy and pain through the pain, because not, 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 not because of the pain itself, but because of the joy of the Lord and the victory of in our hearts. But there's a cross... of pain that we take every day and it doesn't have to last so long. We carry it day after day after day when it should have when we should have been able to lay it down that night and pick it up the next morning. We carry it because we refuse to forgive. We're carrying a cross that wasn't even created for us to carry. He um When we come up against the law, we either try to be good enough and self-righteous and strong enough, and we finally get to the point like I did and say, I can't do that, or we've been trying to be good enough. Now listen, too many of you right now are living by the law. You're still trying to be good enough. You're gritting your teeth, and you're trying, and you get to this point of, what's the use? If you've gotten to the point of, what's the use? You've been working on your own accord. If you've gotten to the point of, I might as well indulge. I might as well go into what's it in your life. I might as well just drink it all. I might as well take all the medicine. I might as well just, because you've been trying so hard to be such a good little girl or boy. I, 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 um, I keep doing what I don't want to do and I keep not doing what I want to do. 
And then you go to the next chapter, chapter 8, and it says, but thank God, well, it says it right in the last verse of 7, but thank God Jesus Christ will set me free from all that. And then it talks about the Holy Spirit that he bought and paid for so he could put the Holy Spirit upon our lives and we can't lose. So the next time you're thinking about, why don't I just indulge? Why don't I just give up? What's the use? Or the next time you're going to prove to somebody how strong you are, instead of doing that, let the Holy Spirit of God rise up in you. It's so amazing. I don't even think we're going to have any time to get there. But in Romans 8, the Holy Spirit cries, Abba, Father. He put a spirit in us that cries, Abba, Father. It says the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. And that spirit cries, Abba, Father. He leads us right to the Father. And we fall back in his hands like the day I got saved, except I'm still doing that. I'm still saying, not my will, but your will be done. I'm still falling back into his arms. Here's what we miss. Hope I'm not getting ahead of myself here. But here's what we miss when we're trying to do it on our own. Again, the two signs that show that you're trying to do it on your own is you got a sense of, I can do this, or you have a sense of, I'm just going to quit. That means you've been trying to do it on your own. There's only one way to do it, and that's by the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus. Let's look in Revelations. Revelations just always fires me up. You know, it's, it just seems like it's, the, it's, just a, it's just a huge, big battle, and we win. Revelations uh, chapter 4, he's given us kind of a glimpse. He's given us kind of a glimpse of, of uh, what we've really been given in him. You know, in Ephesians, I believe it is, it says, we've been seated in heavenly places in Christ. It should be a place of, uh, it should be a place of freedom, place of liberty. Okay, let's look at, um, I'm going to do a, quite a bit of reading here probably, but uh, Ro- uh, Revelations uh, 2.11, or I should say two through four, chapter 4, verse 2 through 11. Okay, we've been focusing kind of on how bad it's been. We're coming into how good it can be and how good it is. It says in verse 2, it says, At once I was in the Spirit. So he's showing... John, he's showing the Apostle John a glimpse of heaven. It says, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit. It's always good to get in the Spirit. And there before me was a throne in heaven and somebody was sitting on it. Guess who's sitting on the throne? Lucifer wanted to, but Jesus is sitting on the throne. It says his hair was like white like wool. His eyes were a flame of fire. Out of his mouth came a two-edged sword. He's just an amazing being and he's our Savior and he's our friend. And it says, at once I was in the spirit, and I saw this guy on this throne, and the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian. So you're seeing these polished gems or these polished stones. And, you know, I don't know how they understood it or seen it back in the day, but we've got so much technology now. If you watch these action figures or just literal seemingly human beings on the, on the uh, screen, you'll see they'll start glowing. They can do anything with any, you know. And this, but our Jesus did it way before they could do it in the movies. And he, it says he was like Jasper. And Jasper can be, it's like a Chalcedony it's also called. But it's, it's like, it can be just about any color. Black, yellow, red, blue. It can just about any color you want. But this is him just shining in all his glory. All colorful. And it says, uh, and as a carnelian. And that's a deep red color. And it says a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. And I looked up emeralds. And you can even see caves full of emeralds with icicle emeralds. And it's just beautiful the way it shines in the light. And so you're seeing a rainbow of emerald around the throne. And you're just trying to start getting the grandeur and the magnificent, how magnificent it is. And we get to be all part of this. And we get to taste it before we get there. But this is when we get there what it's going to look like. I just like to see a little bit of what heaven's going to look like. And it says, surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders, and they were dressed with white 
and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. Before the, okay, before the throne there were seven lamps, which are the seven spirits or the sevenfold spirit of God. So you're hearing flashes of lightning and rumblings and, and thunder. What's that remind you of? It seems to me like when we get to our youth conventions nowadays, they're trying to make it look more like heaven all the time, amen? You know, the dry ice and the smoke and the rumblings and the, and the laser lights and the, just, it's just like a huge light show. And I think of Washington, D.C. I'm trying to envision a little bit of what heaven looks like, and I'm thinking every year on the 4th of July, we, we have these big light displays and these fireworks, and it's just amazing and, and beautiful, and the grandeur is just out of this world practically. But this is going to be so much more. This is all man-made stuff we're seeing here. This is going to be actually the eminence of God, the production of God, the spirit of God. It's going to be reality itself, not just some fireworks that burn or some dry ice that goes away. It's going to be an eternal eminence of Him. Heaven. Heaven. Rumblings and thunders. And Do you get that when you get into worship? Is that what happens to your heart when you get into worship? Doesn't happen to me all the time. But I'll tell you what, the, the rhema, the living, the life-giving word of God, as I began to focus on his throne, I began to see who he is, things began to happen. Healings began to take place in my body. When I began to enter into that place that he says I'm seated in, when, I doesn't match, when my life experience doesn't match up with what he says is mine, and I press in in worship, and I press in in my prayer time, and I press in in praying in the Spirit, I began to find healing happening in my, in my, in my hips and in my back and in my mind and in my mind. I'm talking about emotion. I'm talking about everything. So often, we're trying to live by the law to get to that point. We try to grit our teeth and just, just make it and somehow make it through so somehow it'll just go away. I found the best way to have it go away is to enter into the throne room of God. The predicament will go away in the throne room of God. Uh, there's a lot of scriptures. It says, in the center around the throne were four living creatures. They had eyes in front and back, and the first one was like a lion. The second one was like an ox. The third one was like a man, and the fourth one was like an eagle. And each of the four living creatures had six wings covering their eyes all around and even under his wings day and night they never stop saying holy holy is the lord almighty who was and is and is to come whenever the living creatures give glory to glory and honor to god who's to him who sits on the throne and to, who lives forever and ever the 24 elders fall down and before him who sits on the throne and worship him whose lives are who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and they say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they were created and they have their being. He says, You are worthy, Lord God, to receive glory and honor and power because you created everything. You are worthy, Lord. Why is he worthy? He's worthy because not only did he create all things, but he saved me from that predicament called hell. It is a totally steel wall I can't get through unless he sends help why is he worthy why do we cry worthy why do we cry holy holy because he is holy because he's set apart because he's far above all the others because he's a, he, he's different than us he's pure he's not got one wrinkle he's not got one spot and he says come and fellowship with me David saw this. We can see this. I have to see this to survive in this world. This world that I'm walking in, I have to, I have to see this. Psalm 27. You know, this is a... I just want us to... I think God's saying, I want you guys to be with me. I want you guys... I want fellowship with you. I want you to be free. But he wants you to stop trying to earn it by being good enough. The only way to get that freedom rather than trying to be good enough like you've been trying to do is to actually let his spirit in Romans 8 help you to get into his throne room in Revelations 4, the same place that David went in Psalms 27. Let me read just a little bit of 27 here. 
And we know this verse. We all know this verse. Anybody that's ever just been hungry for God at any moment in your life, at any time in the past, knows this verse. But look what it says. It says, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon his beauty and to seek him in his temple. Because as I'm gazing upon his beauty, something happens. For in the day of trouble, something happens. It says, because in the day of trouble. It says, I want to see your face. I want to gaze upon your beauty. I want to spend every day there because in the day of trouble, you'll keep me safe right there and you'll hide me in the shelter of your tabernacle and you'll set me high upon a rock and then my head will be exalted above the enemies that surround me. Father, glorify your name. I want to see you. I want to... One thing I ask of the Lord is what I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon his beauty, to seek him in his temple, because in the day of trouble he'll keep me safe in his dwelling, he'll set me high upon a rock, and then my head will be exalted above the enemies that surround me. What kind of enemies are surrounding? This, this, we've got to have miracles today. What kind of enemy is surrounding you? Is it complacency? Is it a sense that you don't even get pulled toward God anymore? Is it a sense that you're going to, the circuits in your brain and your emotions is going to completely fall apart? What kind of enemy do you need to come up above today because God's got a miracle for you today? Is it physical pain in your body? Is it chronic pain that never goes away? And, and, and the devil's giving you all kinds of reasons why you just better keep that the rest of your life? I'm telling you, if we can see the rumblings and the emeralds and, the, and, the, and, the, and our God with the, the, the white hair, white like wool, white as snow, and eyes as flame of fire, I will tell you what, the enemies will dis depart from you. The enemies will be dispersed. The problems will go away. And you will definitely be able to function as the problem is being pushed away. If the problem is your church member, if the problem is your spouse, if the problem is your ex-friend, then you're living by the law. You have a legalistic mentality that says, until that person gets right, I can't be free. Until that person changes, folks, you can be free if you'll get in the throne room. If that person's not in the throne room, Maybe they'll never get right if they really are wrong. But they getting right's not going to take your pain away. You've still got bondage. But in the throne room, he'll heal all that and help you love even your worst enemy. You know, the devil's even trying to make us hate each other. Again, you name it, the spouse, the church brother or sister in the Lord. Those two right there are the, the ones that show the world. The marriage and the church body shows the world what Jesus looks like. The devil is going to make you want to come against your friend, your brother, your spouse in the Lord. We just read a whole book. We studied a whole book on not being offendable. Talking about put away anger, put away all that stuff. For some reason, I feel like the Lord's keeping me on that type of a message. We've got to, if we want to see miracles, we've got to go to the throne room. Not to, you better get this right and you better get that right or otherwise we can't have fellowship. Just to have fellowship with the Father, he'll make sure fellowship comes back together with each other, whoever it might be. <clears throat> then my head will be exalted above the enemies that surround me. At his tabernacle, what happens when, when, I get, when I get into the throne room? What happens? It says, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. How can I help myself? All of a sudden, I see that I'm above those things that were destroying me those things that were destroying my relationships. 
He'll hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle. He'll set me high upon a rock. My head will be exalted above the enemies. I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says, if you seek his face, your face, Lord, will I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Don't turn your servant away in anger. David had gotten a glimpse of the throne room, just like John had gotten a glimpse of the throne room. And he says, don't hide your face. I've got to see your face, because if I don't see your face, I'm going to feel like even my father and my mother forsake me. But it says here that even if my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. And he will not turn me over to the ways and desires of my foes. He won't let false witnesses, lies, and condemnations. It literally says that. Don't turn me over to desire my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. Has anybody ever woke up in the morning and uh, you just know it's going to be a bad day? That's called a false witnesses, breathing out violence. That verse comes to my heart anytime that kind of negativity comes to me in the morning. It says, false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. That's a false witness. That this day is going to be a destructive day. This day is not going to be any good. No, this is the day the Lord hath made. Everything's going to go really good. I might go through hell and high water, but everything's going to go good as I go through it. That's the reason I know that as I've been in the throne room. Stay out of the throne room for one day. And all of a sudden, you're living by the law. All of a sudden, you're trying to make others be good enough before you can have freedom. You're trying to be good enough before you can have freedom. Quit trying to be so good. Every time you feel inferior or anything else, I gotta see his face. I gotta see his face. Oh yeah, he paid the price. And he paid the price for him and he paid the price for her and he paid for the price that, for the person that totally misinterpreted everything that I'm thinking and doing and saying. We don't have to go crazy when somebody doesn't understand. We don't have to go crazy when the devil's lying to us. We have to run to the throne room. We have to run to the throne room. Because in the throne room, there's a place I see this Jesus. I see this Jesus on that throne. You know what he said my name is? Do you remember that? All over in your Bible, he's got different names. He says, I am the Lord that healeth you. And you get in the throne room. And yeah, it's in your mind. You know he's the Lord that heals you. But when you're under all that darkness, you can't receive healing. But you get into the throne room where nothing can jar you out if you have to fast for three days, if you have to fast for a week, whatever it takes, I got to see his, I got to see him. He's given us ways to worship in, to pray in, to, 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 to speak the word in, to, to fast in, but somehow I got to get into the prayer room, into the throne room. Somehow I got to get into the throne room. And I will, I'll get into the throne room, do or die. I might almost die, but I'll resurrect. But then if I do die, I resurrect. How bad do you want in the throne room? Or are you willing to live with what you got? Bondage that doesn't belong there. I say to the gates, you know, the, 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 the psalm that came to me earlier, lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors. You things have been holding me back. You lift up your heads. Let the king of glory come in. Let the king of glory. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. That's who he is. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gate. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. He's got the king keys of death and hell, and he can rip them wide open and put himself into them places in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I hope somebody's getting some hope. Can we have, would it work to have the worship team come back up? I didn't ask you earlier. Yes, she said, so we got one. Okay, come on up. And uh, counting on Kedra too. Hallelujah, Jesus. The, the, the altars are open. I got two messages today, but I do want to, and I'm not giving the other one, by the way, to give you a little peace of mind, but um, I'm just going to give a little I, I, the Lord put this on my heart Tuesday and I'm going to need volunteers and I might need quite a few so I'm going to have Shagun can you come up and if you can't I'll help you um, anybody come on up uh, Sean Dwayne Keziah Olson <laughs> Travis Valmer, could you come up, please? 
Okay, how many we got? This is going to seem a little bit off message, but you'll, I think you'll see it's not. And I might need more, but let's, let's get right up here. We're just going to squeeze in here somewhere. Um, put, let's see, you come right there. You're right here. Sorry. You're over here. You're here. Uh, you here. You here. Valmer, you're here. Now go like this with your head kind of like that. And touch you guys as each hand. Get closer. Put your hands up about like that. Now you can't be in a circle. You can't be in a circle. <laughs> that ain't going to happen. Go back. Get sideways. Okay, hands up a little more. Come closer if you have to get your, in order to get your hands up. Keziah, um, Stan. Okay. Now if you could kneel right there, Keziah. Stan right there. Kneel, please. <laughs> kneel. <laughs> okay. Now put your hands together. You two. Okay. I need. Uh, Joel. He's not coming unless I say his name. <laughs> come, Joel, come. Okay, stand right here. Put your hands up to his hands. If you can't touch, that's okay. We'll, we'll put in some two-by-fours later. All right, this is a building. That's a church. <laughs> kind of slants this way. Um, that's a church. Like I said, I'm not going to preach two messages. But when there's offense, that's not happening. The church isn't being built. He says, lively stones are being built together. In the Bible, it says, we're all lively stones with Jesus Christ himself. That might be kind of like Sean or somebody over here being the chief cornerstone. And it says he's a lively cornerstone even. If you read this in your Bible, I'm telling you the truth. Look it up. But there's a church. The church are lively stones being built together. And the only real way to build them together, it says it's, he dwells in this body by his spirit. He wants to dwell in this lively church that's being built together. It says lively stones are being built together. The Bible says he is the temple. Let me just read this. Hebrews chapter... Um, Three. I'll just read this and then we're going to close. Hebrews 3. It says, Fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our profession. He is faithful in the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house is greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by somebody, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant over God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, and we are his house. The Bible says we are his house. Right here you see his house. If we hold on to the courage and to the hope for which we boast. So I want to use this in another sermon someday for something else. But right now, we are his house as we help each other hold on to the courage and the hope to which we boast. If we are getting upset with each other, it's hard to do this. But if we can let God bind us together and if we look at the throne, if we look to him, and we honor each other. And we see each other as important. You take one, one Dwayne out or one Travis out or you take the doorway out here between Keziah and, and Stan. And you hold them at bay and you don't see them as quite as important. Then the house can't really be the refuge that people need. And we are that house. And God wants to bring a lot of people in, in Huron, South Dakota. Even in this church, he wants more of us to be free. But in Huron, South Dakota, to be saved. There's people that aren't saved. 
There's people that haven't given their life to the Lord. People haven't laid back and said, not my will, but your will be done. First thing I did after I gave my life to Jesus is I found a little church like this where the people were loving each other. Where the people were praying for each other. Where the people didn't hold resentment against each other. And they did. Some of them did. I'm not going to tell you I found a perfect church. But what I'm trying to say is we need a place like this. A bunch of people that realize they're totally lost and now they're going all out to be in the throne room because there's no other answer. There's no other way. The law won't do it. And we live by the law when we're not living by the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. There was a law of sin and death we got saved from. And yet, there'll be times when I want to point out my spouse. You did this, you die. I mean, you know what I'm saying? You pay for it. You pay. That's sin and death. The law of the spirit of life has set us free from that. Somebody messes up. My wife might mess up. I mess up more than she will, of course. But um, when I mess up, what a beautiful thing when she just says, it's all right. We can make this work out. We can work this out. We're human. We're going to have to be like this. We can only be like this if we press into the throne room. Father, we just thank you. Let's let's stand and worship. You guys. That is one strong church. <laughs> let's just worship Jesus. Let him speak something that you need to individually hear. Just 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 worship him. Press into that throne room. I want a church like that. All together. some time come to the Have altar if you'd like come up for prayer if you'd Do like you thirst for a drink from the well Jesus is calling oh come to the altar the Father's arms are open wide forgiveness was bought with the precious blood
Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Father God. Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you, Lord God. Father, no more 99%. No more being our own Lord. Father, we give our life completely to you. Uh, we, we know it doesn't make sense. It doesn't look like we could do what you're asking. It doesn't look like it really fit in our lives, but then that makes us Lord. Some of the stuff that we think might have to go in order for us to follow you, uh, maybe we'll find out like I did when I give my life to you, I actually get to keep some of that stuff. But the other things, there just won't be room. And for sure, there'll be no room for sin. Father, we just give our life 100% right now. We ask you for grace, more grace right now, Lord. We give our life 100%. We're going to quit trying to be good enough. We're going to try and quit trying to be 99% right. We're going to quit disrespecting you in that way. And we're going to say, not my will, but your will be done. We say, Satan, get out of my life in Jesus' name. No more tricks from the devil, people. No more tricks of 99 will do it. No more lies. We just receive the whole truth and we give our life wholly to God. Father, I give my life completely to you right now. I give my life completely. I fall back in your arms and I know you have me. And I thank you that you created things and directions for me to go before the foundations of the earth. I give my life to you and to the ministry you've called me to. Now I have a purpose that will truly satisfy. It won't deceive me. It won't send me to hell. Your purpose will give me life and that more abundantly. We receive your love, Father, and we receive your command to give our life completely to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, God bless you all. He's very good.